Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Preferred Walk-Ons podcast. This is Michael McGraw. I am here in person with Michael Shutt after his Western vacation. He was off for a week. How was that? Oh, it was spectacular. The West Coast, uh, you know, very beautiful. Lots of cool stuff out there. But, um, you know, my big complaint is everything's so damn far away from each other. I think it's just, you know, we saw a lot of cool stuff. Crater Lake, Bend, Oregon. You did see the Blockbuster. Tell me about the yeah. Blockbuster. How was that? Did you go inside? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, went inside. It's interesting. Uh, so for those who don't know, Bend, Oregon is home to the last surviving Blockbuster video on the planet. And basically, they it's a you know blockbuster franchise towards the end of things, and this franchise just has kept open. And it's part functioning blockbuster, part like souvenir shop, but mostly functioning blockbuster. Like it's it's a legit nostalgic experience. We walked in. I just kind of wanted to see it, see what was going on, see like I wasn't sure is it going to be more museum souvenir place or is it like actually a blockbuster um like you can you just go in and rent the proposal yeah on dvd absolutely for, so don't you think that most people who go there are there as tourists probably but so how do they i will say when, when we went in there it was us me, me and my wife and then um an older couple that walked in at the same time and so we were 50 percent of the business in there i bought a t-shirt and we kind of like walked around a little bit. It felt very much like an old school blockbuster. Like they have movies playing up on the screens and stuff like that. Um, they have like the staff picks shelf and everything. But then the older couple was in there legitimately renting. They wa- they wanted to rent a few seasons of Downton Abbey and Yellowstone. Okay. You can't get those online. <laughs> They're not available anywhere. So well, it's good. I think this this particular couple probably doesn't spend a lot of time on online. They're off the grid. Yeah. Possibly. And, you know, they they were renting these and like we were just kind of walking around looking around. They have a interesting section of like memorabilia in the back that's all been donated to them by Russell Crowe. I like it's just things that he's not returned over the yeah, years. Yeah, basically. Like, it was like <laughs> a hood from Robin Hood. There was something from Cinderella Man. Okay. Just, uh, I don't know why he, like, with some handwritten notes from him that was, like, explaining what it is. I, I guess he just loves Blockbuster. But we were, like, looking at those, and, and you hear in the background this employee, like, talking this older couple through different seasons of Downton Abbey and stuff. And it felt like it was, like, 1999. They were asking, like, is this enough? Should we, you think we could get more? Should we get more? And the guy was like, well, you have a week to watch this, and you easily have a week's worth of television here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, these are you have a lot of television to watch. And, you know, it was cool. Like, just listening to them strategize, the husband was like, yeah, you can watch Downton Abbey while I watch football, and then we'll watch Yellowstone. <laughs> what a perfect vacation. Yeah, definitely interesting that the... Um, the television section much bigger in Blockbuster than I remember it being. Uh, I think there's just a lot more TV now. But yeah, that was cool. Definitely one of the highlights. The Bend Ale Trail, highly recommend that as well if you're a beer person out there. Crater Lake was gorgeous. A little snowy, but beautiful. It was good. Good times. Love that. Yeah. I'm glad you had a great experience out there and got to sample the West Coast and... America got to sample some of the West Coast's right. best football. That's right. Good segue. A, thank you. <laughs> in a great matchup between USC and Washington. 
hopefully you uh, don't mind no defense being played because USC and Washington, neither one of them really provided any kind of resistance, really came down to one stop near the end of the game from Washington. And that was enough for them to hold on and win 52 to 42. And now they are set up for the inside track, I guess, to make the Pac-12 championship and maybe the college football playoff, whereas USC is just fired its defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, and we've got Caleb Williams crying in the stands and lots of takes about that. Fun times. Yeah, I mean, you know, and people who have been listening know I've been pretty high on Washington from the outset of the season. I think this is a really good team, and I'm a big Michael Penix Jr. fan. By the way, I spent a little bit of time in Seattle, walked around their campus on their like main the center of their campus, there's a little plaza called the Red Square. <laughs> it's called that because okay. of the brick, but okay. Uh, okay, yeah. And they have a giant poster. I mean, this thing's probably like 50, 60 feet tall at least, I guess. I don't know. I'm really bad at estimating that, but uh, of just him, like his entire body, and then just like another one next to it that says like Penix for Heisman. And it just made me think like you're a college kid. I mean, granted, he's like 24, but and you're walking around campus and you see that every day, it's got to be a little weird, right? Yeah. But he's probably used to it. But anyway. I feel like it'd be a great way to like get a date. Oh, just yeah. Be, like take a stroll, okay. take a walk with someone. Yeah. And be like, hey, just oh, look, look at that. Just look, oh, look they put that. that up of me. Look up there. Huh. I didn't even notice that. Who knew? Anyway, want to go grab, grab a drink? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, this Washington team is pretty fun to watch. Uh, Dylan Johnson, their running back, just exploded on Saturday. It was, it was wild. It felt like every time he touched the ball, that thing was going to go for – 70 yards and a touchdown because it kind of did but pretty cool and then you get to kind of see them I mean like look USC has weaknesses it's not as though this is a perfect team but this Washington team has kind of a gauntlet to end the season here so I think we're really going to find out I mean I think they probably have the most impressive win of any team right now with their win over Oregon Um, and I think this win over USC is still pretty impressive but they've got a game against Utah coming up so they go Utah, Oregon State, and Washington State to end the year. And Washington State has lost five in a row, so they're not the team we once kind of thought they were at the beginning of the year. But still, Apple Cup, that's a bitter rivalry. And you, you know, then you, you assume probably a Pac-12 championship game with a rematch against Oregon. Yeah, I mean, we're going to find out. Like, I think if, if Washington comes through all of that unscathed and is undefeated, they have to be considered the best team in the country because nobody else is being tested quite like that, I think, on that level at least. And they've shown ways that they can win in a lot of different ways. I mean, they've had a couple of ugly weeks, thinking mostly about that Arizona State game where they won 15-7, to but showed that they can win that way. So I'm a big believer. Yeah, they've just had so many explosive plays. Like the, the vertical passing game is such a big part of what they do. To see them just run the ball down USC's throat was very jarring. Like it was 256 yards from Johnson, four touchdowns. They were unstoppable on the run. And that's actually been an area of concern for this team. Is like, what do you do if it's really rainy? Or what do you do if a team has a good secondary? So yeah, great to see that from them. USC just pisses me off. Like, they're fun, and Caleb Williams is great. He played really well. He made some just masterful escape artist plays that are going to be amazing when he gets to the NFL, too. But their defense is just horrendous. Like, they have – there were so many times in this game where they had 
Washington at like third and eight, third and ten, and still allowed them like they would drop twenty yards deep and let people just get first downs. It was absolutely ridiculous. So Caleb Williams can't get out of there fast enough as far as I'm concerned. He he's done everything he can for them and time to time to make it to the NFL. It's honestly coaching malpractice, I think, to have somebody that good at quarterback and not be able to put the team around him to you know be able to really take advantage and you know they finally have fired Alex Grinch their defensive coordinator which I think that was kind of a long time coming but yeah I mean it's just like you watch him Caleb Williams and there were several plays in that game where it was like oh this is going to be a sack never mind he you just like you cannot bring him down and then he is he has a cannon and is absolutely like pinpoint accurate I mean he seems like I can't miss quarterback prospect for the next level so yeah I mean he's exciting to watch but it does kind of piss me off to see that they have been unable to take advantage of that talent I think probably the only other person maybe maybe there are more but I feel like Penix is in the driver's seat for the Heisman and the only other person that really is in that realm of possibility is Jaden Daniels at LSU and he played a great game against Alabama, like one of the best games against an Alabama defense outside of like Joe Burrow. Then he got hurt late in the game on a targeting play where he clearly was shaken up and there was no targeting called on the play. And it like changed the trajectory of the end of the game, kept LSU from being able to score in the fourth quarter. Does he have a chance still? Or do you think with three losses, LSU and voters will be like, ah, he's probably out at this point? It's hard to say. I mean, I think anything can happen, right? Like, it's, like Penix still has, like I said, some really tough matchups in the next few weeks. So he could kind of fall off, which would open the door for some of these. I mean, I do think the Heisman Trophy seems to be Penix's to lose at this point. You could make an argument, potentially. I think that there are people who are on the fringe, kind of depending on how these next few weeks go. J.J. McCarthy could be in the conversation. The guy I really like that I would love to see get a shot at it is Ali Gordon the second Oklahoma State running back. Mm. He's been kind of unreal, and and honestly, what's going to hurt him is they did not really feed him early in the season, so that has held back kind of his total stats. Um, and he's still not on any of the betting boards or anything. Like they don't have odds on him among the favorites to win the the awards, but the Athletic does a Heisman straw poll and of 33 different writers and editors. And he's starting to get some, some momentum and things like that. And these are people who could be among Heisman voters. He leads the nation in rushing yards. He's top five in rushing touchdowns. He's averaging seven yards a carry. You know, I think that if they had carry, if they had used him in the first three games and he was doing this all year, then I think he would really be uh, towards the top. But as of right now, I think he's on the outside. I mean, Bo Nix, right, could be in there. Um, I would love to see Marvin Harrison. I kind of want a non-quarterback to win it. Yeah, I mean, Harrison's the one I'm rooting for financially. Yeah. I have a vested <laughs> interest in that, and he's at plus 1,800 at this point. I do see Ollie Gordon on the board here at plus 3,500. So mm. definitely a huge movement from him. He wasn't on anybody's preseason yeah. consideration at all. So. Maybe Jordan Travis still has a chance based on Florida State and their undefeated season, but I mean, that's the thing is like 
this it's time this is the time of the year where you start to get these quote-unquote heisman moments right from these guys where big matchups and those can often i mean like you still have the ohio state michigan game looming so you talk about guys at the top there whether it's marvin harrison jr let's say he explodes for like 200 and something receiving yards and three or four touchdowns in that game you know that could change everything or let's say jj mccarthy in that game throws for 400 500 yards and you know like who knows things like that could happen but i do think right now it seems to be kind of a relative runaway for michael Penix jr and i love it i mean he's he's the guy i when we did our season preview he was my heisman pick so i, I unfortunately did not bet any money on it uh kind of wish i had but yeah so I, I think it is probably his to win we got a pretty big interesting slate of games this weekend that we're going to talk about but before we do that with just a couple weeks left in the regular season Let's uh, take a look at the ACC and where everything stands. Florida State undefeated. They are in the ACC championship in Charlotte. Looking at Kelly Ford's rankings of possible projections of the rest of the ACC championship, Louisville is in second place. Mm -hmm. They are at 82% likely to get in. Is it just theirs to lose? UVA's got a chance to do something hilarious on Thursday. (laughs) That would be pretty funny. I, I mean, that. I kind of thought like I was saying the same thing to to my wife this past week when they, you know, she is a Hokie and Tech played Louisville. I was like, hey, this would be this would be kind of funny. And and like looking at any path that State may have to potentially sneaking into the conference title game involved Tech beating Louisville, and that just uh, obviously didn't happen. But it looks like it is Louisville's to to lose again. Like this this feels like. It's all them, but it gets really interesting after that, right? I mean, if Louisville does drop a game here, it gets like there's there's a whole crowd right under them uh, in the standings, and so you know Louisville plays obviously plays UVA this week. They're I don't know what the line favored is favored by three touchdowns. <laughs> so like you know, I, I think this is a, a UVA team that is obviously becoming tougher as the season goes on. I think they are a tougher minus, out. Minus this past weekend, which sure. we're not going to talk about. I was going to just let it go, but I think that, who knows, what could happen there? And then they play Miami, and, the, and <laughs> this Miami team is definitely a who knows. There's a chance there, and I, I kind of love the possibility of a path opening up for Georgia Tech. Why not? I, I mean, like, come on. Let would, the boys play. It would be so great. And that would require, I'm pretty sure because of tiebreakers, that would require Louisville to drop their last two ACC games. But, you know, let's just do it. Let's let's do it. But I think we're probably going to see Florida State and Louisville. I did not have Louisville at this point still being – I mean, I, I didn't believe uh, at all. I've said it multiple times on here, like – I didn't think they were that good. I still honestly don't think they're that great, but they've won the games. So, you know, kudos to them. Super frustrating as a state fan to know that like we were we had basically one bad quarter against them and would have a chance with the ball. Would have could would have coulda shoulda, right? But yeah, I mean I think this is probably gonna be Florida State, Louisville and Charlotte unless somebody can unless the Who's maybe can can pull the upset and, and clear the way, probably more likely clear the way for Carolina or Duke. Mm. Boy, that's a real prisoner's <laughs> dilemma now. Now you're making me question how I to know. treat this game I on know. Thursday. It's, it's tough. Mm. But. 
Kelly Ford has Florida State as a nine and a half point favorite, like a projected Vegas favorite in the championship game against Louisville, which seems a little low to me, but I don't know. Maybe, like you said, I, I've been there with you all season. I just don't think Louisville's that good. And I don't think their quarterback, Jack Plummer, is good. And they've had some injuries to some of their best players. And so I just don't believe. And then they come out and just destroy Virginia Tech, one of the hottest teams in the country non-competitive game and then you're like well i mean maybe it's maybe the problem's me <laughs> you know it's not them they're they're winning all the games <laughs> yeah i mean at a certain point right you do just have to kind of say like fine they're winning and and like they have kind of had their share of both you know convincing wins but also wins that make you kind of go oh, really this team you know, you look at it, and and they had close games against Georgia Tech, Indiana, NC State. Will throw us in there. I mean, we're kind of surging right now, but like we, we really are, are like Anne from Arrested Development. It's just like everyone's <laughs> like her. Yeah, but then but then they go out and have their last two weeks. You know, they solidly beat Duke. They blew out a Virginia Tech team that also was kind of surging. They had that you know pretty dominant win against Notre Dame, but in between the dominant wins against Notre Dame and Duke. You have that lost to pit. Makes no sense. Who is this team? I just like I'm just not totally sure. And I I thought that I thought it would work out like Syracuse. You know, when Syracuse started four and zero, we looked at it and said, yeah, but they haven't beat anybody. I don't think they're good. Guess what? We were right. <laughs> they're zero and five in the ACC. Like that was a, that was an easier call to make. Yeah, I just I I think a lot. I know that there were a lot of people out there who were like, yeah, Louisville, like. Louisville's going to be pretty good this year, but I don't really think that we were looking at this as Louisville would be, you know, a borderline top 10 team and be in the ACC championship game. And it's a little upsetting, honestly. Should we talk about the games this weekend? Yeah, let's do it. All right. First, from the ACC perspective, uh, we were just talking about Louisville opening game of the weekend starts on thursday at 7 30 on espn it's virginia traveling to louisville and uh i will say i was at as i got to be, see my first uva game this past weekend the injury to tony musket early yeah. in the game totally changed the complexion of the game like calandria came in after some question about whether they were keeping him on the bench the other guy came in for a little bit and then calandria came in and it just looked like he did not have any first team reps mm. like he just did not look like the dynamic player that we had been seeing early in the season when he had to play so that was kind of disconcerting disconcerting to burn a red shirt but maybe you think okay injury to tony musket significant he's going to be out the rest of the year now he's day-to-day -day, possibly will play this week so all question marks around that but that being said, bigger problem for UVA is you can't give up 514 yards and over 300 yards rushing. You just can't. Is That's, that not a recipe for success? No, it's not. <laughs> you can't do that. And uh, on the other side, you've got Louisville, who just held Virginia Tech to 140 total yards, only 68 rushing yards. That's all bad. I think this is a terrible matchup. Louisville's favored by three touchdowns and... Sorry, I just don't see it right now for UVA. They had some progress building between the UNC game and the Miami game and seemed like a pretty major step back last week. So I can't really have a lot of confidence going into this one. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I 
again, like this Louisville team. It's just weird, and that's what this comes down to for me is like it could happen, but I don't I don't love UVA's chances, just the way things are going right now, especially when you're looking at injuries at the quarterback position don't usually put you in a good position to to win. But yeah, I, I think Louisville wins this game. I don't know if it'll be three touchdowns. Again, I this just comes back to I just don't trust Louisville and I will never bet on them to cover a spread like that. So I like Louisville to win, unfortunately. I'd love to see the Who's steal this one. Could be another great feel-good win, you know? And, and you sp- you sent Carolina into a little spiral. Maybe you could do that here. That would make me happy. Create chaos. Mm. Let's do it. Bring back the coastal. Yeah, uh, Louisville's win over Virginia Tech ruined the best stat that we had yeah. going for us as UVA fans, which is that we were the only team in the country to have zero teams on the schedule with a losing record the only team wow. at the time at uh, going at into the last time week. that you play them no 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 just oh. going into last week so oh, like okay. looking at last week every team on the schedule had at least a 500 record or above but then louisville's win over virginia tech ruined that mm. so thanks for nothing well revenge game <laughs> revenge game yes <laughs> saturday at noon speaking of virginia tech they'll be playing on the acc network against boston college BC is going bowling. I don't understand that at all, but they're just giving out bowl games like candy on Halloween. Jeff Unless Hatley. you're JMU. <laughs> Apparently, well, yeah. What have they done lately? <laughs> I don't understand this Boston College team or this season. They opened the season way back, way back when with a loss to Northern Illinois. Mm-hmm. They followed it up with a barely squeaking out by the skin of their teeth win over Holy Cross. And now they're six and three. And they have one score wins over Holy Cross, Virginia, Army, UConn, and Syracuse. I just don't think they're any good. And it doesn't matter, though. They're 6-3. and three. They're just going to keep playing. But if you're asking me to pick this game and Virginia Tech's favored by one and a half, I'll take the Hokies. Boston College has no home field advantage of any kind. I think Virginia Tech just ran into a really good Louisville team last weekend. So give me the Hokies. Yeah, I like that pick in this game. I think... And I say this, you know, with some fear as a fan of a team that has tech on the schedule soon. I I like the way they're playing. Again, last week notwithstanding. But yeah, they get the honor of playing the two weirdest teams in the ACC back to, well, they don't have Georgia Tech next, I don't think. But having Louisville and Boston College back to back, these are the two teams I don't understand in the ACC, like you said. The line is a little smelly to me. So this is a perfect, this is one where I would support the run to the smell. Yeah, I like the Hokies to go up there and beat this Boston College juggernaut <laughs> that is somehow right there in the conversation of like having a realistic path where they could be in the ACC championship game as one of those teams that only has two losses in the ACC. I, I know it's it's absolutely absurd, but I mean like Tech's right there too, and, and they also gave Florida State their closest scare all season. Yeah, like I, I don't what, and then watch Tech go win by like twenty. Yeah, I don't, but. Yeah, I don't understand. I like the Hokies in this one. Also at noon on ABC, Georgia Tech, the Ramblin' Wreck, traveling to Clemson. Hey, how is your portfolio looking? Have you checked in on your portfolio lately? I, You know, I haven't. Because I have a stock recommendation from my cousin, <laughs> oh, one <okay>. Dabo Swinney, <laughs> who says, quote, if Clemson's a stock, you better buy all you freaking can right now. Mm. That guy's had a wild couple weeks he really has i mean you can't be letting 
random Tylers from Spartanburg calling to your radio show and then getting you mad. But you who among can't. us has not had a Tyler from Spartanburg get under our skin? <laughs> There's a Tyler from Spartanburg in all of us. Um, yeah, I mean, like you look at the last few weeks, Clemson obviously in a little bit of a, a little bit of a nosedive. If only, you know, some podcast had predicted that this Clemson you got them team, right yeah i got them wrong i i was all over i was gonna just say our show i wasn't even gonna no, make it about me. i was wrong but yeah a little bit of a nosedive here and you know you've got Dabo making his flippant remarks about athlete mental health and having a team psychologist a couple weeks ago you've got tyler from spartanburg throw in on-field stuff uh will shipley injury i mean but then, like, it's still obviously a talented team. Just a weird year for them, because because you kind of seem like okay, they're they're down and out, and then they go and they beat Notre Dame. Why not? <laughs> it just adding to an, a weird year. Um, Shipley's expected to be back. Nobody really knows. This Georgia Tech is in that that middle of the ACC category of like who knows what to expect. This line seems big to me. It's, it does seem pretty big. The only thing I would say is that Georgia Tech, despite what UVA showed last week, Georgia Tech has like the second worst run defense in the FBS. Like, yeah. They're awful. And you have somebody like Phil Maffa, who came in last week against Notre Dame, 36 carries, 186 yards, two touchdowns. Will Shipley might be back. So even if you don't have a lot of faith in Kate Klubnick, which it does not appear that they do with their play calling, particularly the NC State game, yeah. they were just like... Let's just get to the They may have less faith in him than I do. It's amazing, but they can run the ball, and Georgia Tech can't stop the run. Yeah. So that would be where I maybe lean Clemson, but, man, I don't know. Georgia Tech's just playing pretty well right now. I'm taking the two touchdowns. I think Tech covers. Georgia Tech covers this one. I don't think they win, but I think they cover that spread. Tease it either way. That would be my... Yeah. Add some points or take some points away. Saturday at 2 p.m. on the CW. Hell yeah. NC State two and a half point favorites at wake and your quarterback just redshirted earlier today mj morris gonna sit out the rest of the year now having accomplished all of his goals and beaten miami beaten clemson yeah he has nothing left to prove and he will hang it up for the rest of the year definitely one of the weirder situations and i want to be really careful about it because like it is where do you think he's going to transfer to well we start hold on because the most the most recent development is that his dad says he's not leaving so and and so for those people who are not is that legally binding yeah no but it for people who are not like plugged into nc state fandom and <laughs> tracking this saga mj morris's family is very very vocal very active on twitter they get very involved and they will get his his mom and his aunt in particular We'll get into like Twitter arguments with fans. They'll tweet at coaches when they don't like something. Like they are vocal, and it's it's a lot. They're very involved in this process. When I see a headline that says MJ Morris decides to redshirt, I read that as family decides to redshirt. <laughs> it's this is a really hard read for me because I think these days in college football we see that headline and we assume what well, you just said. This guy's going to transfer. The quote from his dad, and this is the thing, is like this: there were news stories that were posted and then tweets were deleted, and it was super weird, but his dad told WRAL, which is a, a news radio station in Raleigh and pretty reliable source, 
said no one said he's leaving the program. If he would have left the program, he would have left in January or May. He had plenty of options. That, to me, sounds like he's staying. I mean, like, you kind of have to take anything anybody says with a grain of salt. But that just makes this confusing. Now, he had a rib injury uh, this past weekend. And and so there are some people speculating that maybe it was more serious than they're letting on. Which is concerning, too, because he had some injury issues last year. But last year, he played a few plays against Syracuse and it cost the opportunity to redshirt. So I wonder if they're just being cautious this year knowing that he has the inside track on the starting job next year to preserve some time. Uh, my favorite my favorite take I saw on Twitter was that the injury's there, whatever, but he also he just knows that Brennan Armstrong has no more eligibility after this year, and so he wants to give him a chance yeah, to Yeah, people play. do that all the time in sports. They <laughs> like, just what? give up their, their careers to let other people have a chance. Sure. Look, I respect Brennan Armstrong – he has shown me a lot in terms of just his ability to handle this change in stride. I mean, like, you know, all the reports coming in where he's, you know, great guy and all this stuff. And like, he seems to have been the model teammate. He's going to get his chance again. And that makes me nervous because I don't fully trust him as a quarterback. But that being said, playing in some spot duty, I mean, like they, he's still been playing and eight carries last week against yeah, Miami. And he's been playing pretty well and making clutch plays. So we'll see. Maybe some time sitting is what he needed. I, I don't know. It's just a little frustrating as a fan when your team is like kind of surging. You just beat Clemson and Miami back to back, which feels good. I know that those teams aren't great, but it's still like they're good. They're they're talented teams and teams that have been hard to beat. Dave Dorn had never beaten Miami. So I think that it's it's hard to predict what's going to happen with this team moving forward, but I do think they're going to beat Wake Forest. I, this is not a very good Wake team, um, in in my opinion. I mean, they're one and five in the ACC, so the numbers seem to back it up. Um, only favored by two and a half points. A little smelly. A little smelly. I love NC State in this game, though. Yeah, I, I'm going to go against my own logic here. Like I like the Brennan Armstrong redemption arc. Wake had probably its best game of the year offensively. Mitch Griffs played really, really well. And they still lost to Duke. They are just not a good team right now. They are rebuilding. I am sure that Dave Clawson will have them back contending for ACC championships in two or three years. But I do not see it with this team right now. And NC State's defense is just playing so well that even Brennan Armstrong, just like simplify the playbook for him. Let him do some quarterback stuff and like carry the ball twenty five times. NC State's gonna win the game. Yeah, I mean, I think so. The way this defense is playing, like, I don't know, man. Peyton Wilson, one of the best defensive players in the country. Really happy for him. He stuck it out through injuries and is just having a tremendous year. And just forcing four turnovers against Miami. That like, as a defense, I, I just like where we're at. And and he just has to do just enough. And KC Concepcion is special, and they got to hold on to him. <laughs> like the this is the part that gets scary when your team is not like one of the powerhouse teams. Is when you start to get guys that like look really promising. All you're thinking about is, well, that transfer portal is gonna just suck them right up. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I think State wins this one fairly easily, honestly. Saturday at three thirty on ABC, Miami and Florida State, number four in the country. Over under of number of times that the broadcast will be like, these teams don't like each other. 
Probably a good amount. Probably a lot. And and having watched my team play Miami this past week, this Miami team does not hesitate to get into it a little bit. They are chippy, maybe is the best way to put it. Yeah. I mean, like there were several scuffles in this game, the, the state game. And More like, scuffles than Miami points. Yeah, honestly. So good for them. So with Florida State, you know, those teams don't like each other. So <laughs> I will say Florida State has been winning games last few weeks and the ACC is down like let's be honest about it but they've been winning games without Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson has been injured unclear whether they'll play this week but it appears more promising that at least one of them will be back which I think is a big deal in a game like this because Miami's defense is still pretty good Tyler Van Dyke has been straight bad the last two weeks like he got injured and he's clearly banged up and it's absolutely impacting his throwing motion like he looked really bad against Virginia he struggled mightily with three interceptions against NC State last week so given that I love Florida State here even though 14 and a half points even though it's a rivalry game at home Florida State they won by 42 points last year which was tied for the biggest margin of victory and I just think they're better and Miami is still kind of wandering in the woods right now yeah, and God, it's hard because I feel this feels a little bit like you know if if Florida State's going to drop a game, it, it's this one. I mean, they have North Alabama after this, and then they play a Florida team that has no Lions. Just <laughs> Florida's just been really, really pretty bad lately. Ah, oh, God, I'm so tempted to pick Miami. It's a straight up. Yeah, come on, throw a few dollars on it. I I'm really tempted to pick Miami to win this. This would be another teaser candidate. I just think, I, yeah, I don't have the I don't have the balls to do it. So, I think I would probably tease this though. I mean, you know, you get some points there, and it's it's interesting. I kind of want to bet it before we get a ton of information on the wide receivers. Well, that's what I love about Mike Norvell and just college football in general is like you can you don't have to be super upfront with things. So the fact that he was just like, yeah, I think we're going to be in a better situation. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell, man? <laughs> uh, I know that Johnny Wilson did practice today. So that seems promising for him. I don't know what it looks like for Keon Coleman, but Florida State is clearly a much better team than Miami. But, God, doesn't this just – it just feels like – I think I would feel better if Tyler Van Dyke hadn't looked terrible. Like five interceptions in the last two weeks. Like if it was – Yeah. I don't know. Like if we're talking about benching him. I don't think he's that good. But I I just think – yeah, no. I mean, if I could tease this to – Give me like 17 points or something like that. I, I'd take that. Okay. Saturday at 3.30 on the ACC Network, Pitt a three-point favorite at Syracuse, which is not often that you see a 2-7 and seven team favored on the road against a team with twice as many wins. But Syracuse started the year 4-0, and in those four wins, they had a points differential of plus 137. And now they've lost five straight games with a point differential of minus 123. Which means that Dino Babers, his seat is lava. He is going to be gone. Yeah. Unless they manage to win their last three and go to the Cheese It Bowl or something. But like, <laughs> I, he's just like, he's gone, I think, at this point. Give me Pitt. I love Pitt in this game. The trajectory of their team, they're just still playing scrappy football. They know they're not playing for a bowl game at this point. Everything just looks bad for Syracuse. They have no answers. Yeah, give me Pitt. First of all, I, I've never been a big Dino Babers fan, and I think that the 
seat should have probably been hot a, a while ago. What I love about this game is that a hundred years ago, these two teams met in Yankee Stadium, and they're doing it again. I love that this game's at Yankee Stadium. It's stupid. Like it's real stupid. We just don't need to do that. We didn't need to do it for Iowa and Northwestern and Wrigley. Yeah. We don't need this either. Um, although at least that one had like a baseball score. Although this this, this, <laughs> this one might do. This one might do. So last time when they did this back in 1923, uh, Syracuse won three to nothing, and uh, I think we might see something very similar. Four hit shutout. <laughs> we might see something very similar here. Um, but I do think that Pittsburgh wins this game. I think Syracuse is just real, real bad. They don't even know who's going to start at quarterback. Yeah, Garrett Schrader been, did not play last week. So not great. Give me the Panthers to cover. I think they win this one by a touchdown. Last but not least, we have the battle for the victory bell on the ACC network. Eight o'clock Duke at North Carolina. Line opened at 9 for UNC and has ballooned up to 13 with news that Riley Leonard likely out for a significant period of time with a toe injury and his backup is out. So that means we are likely going to get third-string freshman quarterback Grayson Loftus, the most Duke-sounding name you've ever heard in your life, (laughs) starting his second career game. Did not play particularly well against Wake, but did get the win. He was 7 of 19 passing for 86 yards. Duke also has injuries to its senior left tackle, senior offensive lineman, sophomore linebacker, senior linebacker, senior cornerback. That is, that is good? bad going into a game against UNC. Even though UNC has not played well, like maybe they fixed all their problems against Campbell College last week. But yeah, I feel like... This would have been a really, really interesting game given how good Duke's defense has been, and it's it's been taken away from us with all the injuries because I think UNC is going to win this game easily. It's really tough when you have so many injuries to one team to, to evaluate a game, right? Because I think all other things being equal, if if these teams are both perfectly healthy, I would really like Duke in this game. Um, I think their defense is legit when fully when at full strength. And so, I, you know, I think that they would have a chance to really slow this team down. I think they are going to struggle because of injuries. I would really love to pick Duke in this game, but I can't quite do it. I mean, hey, what a great opportunity for Grayson Loftus to just build his legacy now and have the game of his life and lead Duke to a primetime win over Carolina this could like guarantee him a McKinsey absolutely. internship. Absolutely. That coveted McKinsey internship if he gets the win. I mean, you're going into the the tough environment that will be a you know, Keenan Stadium that's at least going to be one third full and uh the seats are the same color as their uniform though, <laughs> so, so it'll look like So it's hard to tell sometimes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, give me unfortunately give me Carolina. But I would love I you know what I would this is my dream scenario is it becomes kind of a shootout Carolina's type of game, but Grayson Loftus is just matching Drake May drive for drive, drive for drive, and then Drake May throws like a pick at the end of the game to lose it. Hmm. I'd watch that if I could write the script, that's what it would be. Not the best uh ACC slate, but we do have some pretty good games nationally that are certainly interesting, first and foremost being. 
the noon game on Fox between number three Michigan and number 11 Penn State, two of the nation's best defenses. Michigan is first nationally in scoring defense. They're giving up less than a touchdown per game so far this year. Interesting stat. Neither team has given up a point in the third quarter Hmm. at any point this year. That's kind of weird. You know, like given the crowd and the controversy surrounding Michigan, I'm tempted to take Penn State, but I watched that game against Ohio State, and they just did not look competitive against a top team. And you've got Michigan, who has scored 30 points in 12 consecutive games, and they have allowed no more than 30 points in nine consecutive games. They're just great on both sides of the ball. So at a a four-and-a-half-point spread, I will take the Wolverines. I like the way you proclaimed that. Uh, Hail to the victors. There has been no doubt uh, through the course of this season that Michigan has been the most dominant team in the country. And their schedule, I think we talked about this two weeks ago, their schedule has not been that like daunting or anything like that. But all you can do is play the teams that are in front of you. And they have done that. They have dominated those teams. I I don't know if it has to do with having signs ahead of time. Who knows? I think that's not my job to figure out. I I struggle with that. and, And it sounds like we have punishments incoming potentially from the Big Ten. They did just warn them that there could be some discipline but like they don't know yet and I I don't know man all I know is on the football field Michigan has looked pretty damn unbeatable and Penn State I think is a very very good team I'm with you I'm really tempted to pick them especially because it's in like it's at Penn State you're gonna have a, a whiteout they're gonna do their whole thing and that's a big environment this is a Michigan team though that has played in big environments maybe not this year but they have a lot of experience back from a uh playoff team last year so i like michigan here to really like assert themselves and prove to those people who say well they haven't played anybody well here we go they're about to um and i think that they're going to win this game and cover that four and a half i did bring up the possibility a couple weeks ago that michigan would lose this game but then beat ohio state making a hilarious big 10 mess so that would actually i would support that i would be the funniest possible look I, so I'm, I i'm in favor of that happening but penn state was one of my teams at the beginning of the year that i really liked so i fully support them to win this game i i just uh seeing seeing to. more i'm just not sure that i have confidence they will 330 on fox we've got number 18 utah against washington who we covered in depth earlier in the show you know this one is a little bit tricky for me because utah has been up and down last week was a huge up just absolutely crushing arizona state they held the sun devils to 83 total yards and their quarterback was 5 of 22 for 41 passing yards which is real bad their defense is just absolutely legit and washington earlier this year already has a history of like winning a big game beat oregon and then the next week did not have an offensive touchdown against arizona state so nine and a half kind of tricky i think this is going to be a real close game give me utah plus the points i don't know if they actually win this but i like them with points here i don't i i'm not going to give utah credit for holding the 127th ranked scoring offense in the country to a low output so arizona like holding arizona state down doesn't really win you a whole bunch of points in my book they scored like 50 some points washington when they played did not score an offensive touchdown totally fair i 
Just but saying. If we want to play common opponent game, what did Utah again do against Oregon? They lost thirty-five to six. Oh, you know, <laughs> could happen to anyone. So, like, I think if we want to go down that road, we can. But at the end of the day, like, this Utah team is not a match for Washington. I think Utah is a little bit of a imposter. They've won some ugly games, and that's great. But that only takes you so far. Yeah, I like Washington here to cover. This is back at Husky Stadium after a big win. That crowd's going to be fired up. Like it is, I think this is going to be a big Washington win. I'm rooting for Washington the rest of the way. They are, to me, the most likable team of the contenders. And so I hope that they win. I want them to win out. But I don't know. This one, it will be a great matchup for Washington having just played USC's defense, which is horrendous, to play Utah, which is one of the best defenses in the country. It'll, It'll definitely be a great be telling. challenge for them. It'll definitely be telling. We'll, we'll be able to learn a lot, just like we learn a lot about Michigan this week. We're going to learn a lot about Washington as well, and I think those are the two teams at the top that people seem to be the most like, well, I don't know, because Georgia and Ohio State just kind of get a pass. I guess Florida State, there's a lot of questions around them as well, but it feels like nationally people don't really talk about them because they're just like, whatever. ACC, who ACC cares? ACC sucks, so whatever, but yeah. Three more games between ranked teams, 3.30 on CBS. Tennessee, number 17 in the country, a one-point favorite at Mizzou, who came dangerously close to getting an upset win over Georgia in Athens last week. Had a chance to take the lead late, down six, but a really bad interception from Brady Cook ended up killing that and the momentum and the opportunity to win, even though they outgained Georgia on the ground. I like Missouri, and I like the way that they play at home. Something about this line, though, I don't know. Like, why is it a one-point line for a team that's not fa- – like, they're lower in the AP standings. Yeah. And they're playing at home. Why is it a one-point line? That just seems weird to me. So, I mean, Tennessee's good. I get, are they? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they're good or not. But, like, I I will take Tennessee here. Maybe it's just the like reputation bias and that people aren't paying enough attention to Missouri. I hope Missouri wins. It would be better if Missouri won. But yeah. something about this just makes me think that Tennessee is going to win this game. Mm. I mean, that's fair. I, I strongly like Missouri here. I mean, you, I think Tennessee is pretty a pretty good team. I don't think they're great. But when you kind of go down the line and look at – what these teams have done throughout the year. They have identical records, so they're each two lost teams. Tennessee dropping a game to Florida, you know, early on in the season relatively, third game, third game of the year, uh, and losing by two touchdowns to Alabama, that game where they had the lead and then gave up, what, 24 unanswered points, I think it was. So not great. Mizzou's only losses are a 10-point loss to LSU and then the game against Georgia last week. They're a good team. The, I, legit. I, I think this team is – extremely legitimate i mean they had that win against kansas state that was a prayer of a field goal so like hard to give them a ton of credit for that and then you know they have a dominating win against kentucky so this is a missouri team that still lacks that like signature win the game against georgia seemed like an opportunity to get the most signature win you could possibly have and they came close um i like mizzou here at home i think if this were at tennessee i'd feel differently about it but um i like missouri to win Seven o'clock on ESPN, number 10, Ole Miss, 10 and a half point underdogs traveling to Athens where game day will be against Georgia. Georgia hasn't looked to me to be as dominant as they have in the past. I mean, you wouldn't expect them to having lost an entire defense worth of NFL caliber players, but they're still pretty good. 11th overall defense, 
Mississippi is 60th ranked in defensive and yards allowed. It's a sixth versus 41 in terms of scoring defense. The thing that surprised me, like Ole Miss gets all the credit for how great their offense is and Lane Kiffin and all the other stuff. Stats-wise, Georgia actually has a better offense, just like slightly better than Ole Miss. So, you know, the other thing that I just can't get, I, I've wanted to pick Ole Miss all week in this, like doing the research, but when has Lane Kiffin won a big game on the road? When? Yeah. When? Never. He never wins this game. He gets all the way up to this game, Yeah. but he can't win this game. I just feel like there's no way that he beats Georgia. Maybe he keeps it close and covers 10 and a half, but I don't know. I just don't see him winning. No, I mean, I think he definitely does keep it close. I think they're going to lean on their running back, Judkins, to, who also, by the way, like he should be somewhere in the Heisman conversation. I'm not saying he should win it. I'm just saying like his name, he's underappreciated. Because we think of Ole Miss and we think like big offense and airing it out and Jackson Dart, but like they have a strong running game. Georgia, Georgia, I think is such an intriguing team to me because the narrative is out there and you said it and, and so many people have said it about them this year. They don't feel dominant and I get it. They had a close game against South Carolina, a close game against Auburn, and then Missouri was kind of close. But other than that, I mean... They're still like they blew Kentucky out of the water in a game that was supposed to be close. They blew out Florida. Like Carson Beck is legit. <laughs> this team is really good. And I understand that they've had some injury stuff recently and they don't have quite the same level of like NFL superstar talent that they had in the last couple of years. I do think that Georgia, I think this line is like spot on. I see this as a 10 point game or so. I like Georgia in this. I think Ole Miss keeps it close, but Georgia does pull away in the second half finally we have usc traveling to oregon that's at 10 30 on fox oregon's a way better team usc keeps a lot of games close so it wouldn't surprise me if they keep this one close but oregon's just an all-around better team and oregon can run the damn ball which we know that usc cannot stop having watched them multiple times multiple weeks in a row i'm not real comfortable laying 15 points in this game it's a lot of points but i just think oregon's a really good team and it would not surprise me i either think that oregon wins in a very close game or caleb williams is brilliant but i actually think that the more likely scenario is like meltdown for usc this is just like a meltdown territory oregon crushes them caleb williams talks about sitting out the rest of the year to prepare for the nfl like that that could be how this game goes for me yeah i mean i don't think he's gonna do that in terms of sitting out i yeah i've even got this line at 16 and a half and i hate that definitely a teaser candidate oregon's way better and, and i think this is yeah i don't know man i i i could see the narrative of usc putting together like a big response game and they feel like they're backed into a corner so you maybe get a great game out of them and if it were at the coliseum i'd feel better about that you're telling me they're going to go up to Eugene and do that right now with the way that Oregon's playing? Absolutely not. How funny would it be if their defense came out and just like pitched a shutout now that Alex Grinch is fired? They it would just be come hilarious. Out. That would be great. They Like the Raiders came out and smoked <laughs> cigars after they fired Josh McDaniels. They just like cut to them in the locker room all smoking cigars. I think like, it'd be hilarious. It's not going to happen. But um, yeah, I Oregon here wins by probably, I, I don't know. I can see two touchdowns. 
you just know the it's hard betting against USC spread wise because you know they're going to score a bunch of points. Mm-hmm. So that just puts you in territory of like, can the other team do that? And Oregon can do that, but it's also like with Oregon all year. I think we've all kind of been waiting for the other shooter drop and see that Bo Nix that throws like four picks or something like where we haven't seen that version of him. He's been really, really great. They don't need, they don't need to throw the ball in this game. Just run, probably not run it, but they're going to, time. I think, you know, you know, like probably. So we'll see, but I think Oregon does take care of business here. A couple quick notes of other games, Alabama at Kentucky. Then maybe that game's a little bit interesting. Kentucky's no. plucky at home, but probably not. Of course, we have Rutgers at Iowa. Iowa just weekly now setting the under record. This so game good. opened at 28 and a half, a new world record for college football unders. Of course, last week with a 31 point over under and easily met at 10 7. I've got a fun Iowa stat. Okay. Power five teams in the last three years are four and 49 when gaining less than 180 yards of total offense. All four wins <laughs> are by Iowa. Uh, rest in peace, Brian Ferentz. Unbelievable. Like, just a great stat when you look at that and see other teams, you can't win like this, but Iowa wins like that. And I just, I love it, and I want it to continue forever. I just, it's so good. Kelly Ford, despite firing Brian Ferentz. Yeah. At the end of the year, Brian uh, Kelly Ford has Iowa at seventy three percent to make the Big Ten championship game. Hell better yeah. odds Hell than yeah, Iowa. <laughs> better odds than Ohio State. I love it. They I, would be then underdogs of twenty one points, of course, uh, which is a total number of points they are incapable of scoring. <laughs> so all you got to do to cover that is just score that amount, and you're good. Love it. So that's our football preview, but. At this time of year, on yay, the day, Tuesday, November 7th, we also have college basketball. College basketball is back. It is the sport that we both know and love. And kicked off yesterday with 14-0 record for the ACC on day one. Pretty stinking good for a conference that no one thinks is any good this year. Everyone's talking about the SEC being great. Look at that. We're look, back. Look at us. Just, Take that, Radford and Tarleton State. Yeah, damn right. And then if you throw in, by the way, Cal and Stanford both won. There you go. Can we can, – can, is Sure. Do we get to it do counts. this? Yeah, do we get counts. to like – Did SMU play? Because if they lost, then – SMU also won. They, oh, there you go. Yeah. Boom. So SMU with a huge win over Southwestern Assemblies of God. <laughs> uh which is just a masterpiece. I bet they hate Northeastern Assemblies of God. That's probably <laughs> a really intense rivalry. Huge rivalry there. My favorite, this is just a side note, because what I love is when you see scores from, you know, this first day of college basketball, teams are playing other teams that in the ESPN app, they don't even have a logo. It's just things like Southwestern Assemblies of God. Mm-hmm. But uh, so then when you, you know, last night I watched a good amount of basketball but then i'm scrolling through just to see like how some other teams did and it happened to one team south alabama lost to a team without a logo no they lost to naia member mobile Whoa, just mobile that's real bad yeah come on jaguars uh not good at all i think they're the only they're the only ones i saw 
that lost to a logo-less team. Of course, there was a pretty major upset, though. That's right. Michigan State losing to JMU. It looked like, despite foul trouble early, despite one of 23-point shooting from the Spartans, that the Spartans were going to pull away late. But the plucky Dukes of James Madison... Very bad. One of one of Tom Izzo's worst losses ever at home. Plus, he lost to his nephew, so that's bad. I mean, come on. Well, my favorite line in this came from TJ Bickerstaff um, after the game. He had 21 points. He made the tying shot with 30 seconds left in regulation. He goes, we're not scared of names. We go hard. Yeah. That's a pretty killer quote right that is there. Quote, put it on a shirt. I love it. I mean, I'm sure... There will, NIL, be, baby. there will be jam users that just say, we go hard. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I got to see a little bit of it. I was watching State for most of the time. It was pretty fun to watch. It was one of those just kept checking in like, oh, because you get these games, right? Like Radford was competitive with Carolina for a little bit. You know, you, you get certain games where you're like, oh, okay. Like, you know, Elon, my alma mater, Elon had a 20-point lead over Wake Forest that they promptly blew. But yeah, this was a fun one. I liked. I also liked the coach afterwards. Mark Byington says, "I'm still catching my breath." And then they were asking him about, you know, hey, like the football team's doing real well too, and like there's a lot of success right now. And he goes, "Yeah, we're just trying to keep a bar into the bargain." So I just love this <laughs> idea that they're like, "We can't be the ones to like lose games." And so, great time for JMU sports. I still think Michigan State's going to be one of the best teams in the country but at the end of the season. Sure. People overreact to this kind of stuff, but it's cool. This is what I love about college basketball is you can get these fun these fun little upsets early on. Yeah, you mentioned the Wake-Elon game. It's the only D1 game in the last 15 years where a team trailed by 20 and then won by 20 or more points. That's pretty weird. Cool. Yeah, that's a, big, that's a big swing. If it wasn't my alma mater yeah. on the wrong side of that, I would feel better about it. I was real pumped at halftime thinking like, oh, my God, like Elon's going to beat Wake. It's not like a great Wake team, but still, you beat an ACC team. That's pretty cool when you're a small school like that. But, yeah, they, they did not hold on. Both of our teams won as well. UVA getting a 30-point convincing victory over Tarleton State and Billy Gillespie and, of course, NC State. I got the immediate text from you that DJ Burns was going to be the ACC player of the year. He scored so, the first eight points of the game. <laughs> he's pretty good. Um, so, yeah, looking at those games and looking at the ACC in general, you know, we had last week or so, they had the release of the ACC preseason poll where uh, Duke, Miami, North Carolina at the top, Virginia also received a first place vote. What do you think about the state of the ACC? It seems like everybody thinks that the conference is going to be down other than maybe a couple teams at the top like Duke, which maybe, you know, we, we can talk about them. They have national championship caliber players on their team. But what do you think of, like, the overall alignment of the conference? I mean, this is not, like, the golden age ACC. You know, I think that... There are certainly better conferences out there. The SEC is very good. The Big 12 obviously still has a lot of very talented teams. And, you know, I think that, like you said, like this is a, a conference where you have a lot of kind of meat at the top. Um, I think, unfortunately, Carolina is going to bounce back from one of the most disappointing seasons in the history of college basketball last year, which still gives me a lot of pleasure to say that that happened. But, 
Unfortunately, I think they are going to be a lot better. Miami, you know, has to replace some really talented players, but I think still going to be really good. I think Clemson has one of their best teams that they've probably ever had, honestly, at least in recent memory. I don't know. I think the ACC is, if I had to like put it in a category, I think that category would be better than expected. I think people are sleeping a little bit on where the ACC is going to be uh, at the end of this year. I think that this is a, a better than last year conference for sure. Yeah, I'm right there with you, I think. There are a number of teams in the middle that would not surprise me if they made it to the tournament. So like Wake Forest, I feel like, has enough talent to be a tournament team. NC State, same boat. Syracuse is like kind of in that middle range for me too. Like it wouldn't surprise me. Virginia Tech also... You know, although you know they had a major loss of one of their players before the season that he's stepped away from the team, so any of those teams wouldn't surprise me if they made it. Then there's kind of like that tier two where you've got Virginia, Miami, North Carolina, who I think are really good, like really solid top twenty-five caliber teams that are going to end up being in the tournament. And then I think there's Duke. Like Duke, I really believe, unfortunately, is one of the best teams in the country. They have a perfect blend of young talent, people who have been there for a while, and it just would shock me if they're not in the discussion, barring major injuries or something like that at the end of the year. So, yeah, I think it's a it's a really solid conference, and there are a bunch of teams at the bottom that can be plucky for like any individual game, like Boston College. You know, has some talent on their team. Post is a really talented player, but. You know, I just don't see it in terms of being able to do it week in and week out enough to make the tournament. What I, what I think is really interesting in this conference, I guess, overall, is there's so many question marks. I mean, you look at teams like Notre Dame, where you have no Mike Bray for the first time in a long time. Georgia Tech, you know, also with a coaching change and tons of roster turnover. State had a ton of roster turnover. Syracuse, you know, with a first-year head coach and roster turnover as well. There's just a lot of intrigue here. All that being said, I think uh, this is a conference that is going to put nine, maybe even ten teams in the NCAA tournament. Like, I really think it's going to be that kind of year. I'm going to take seven. I'll take the under. That's fair. Um, I just – I look through it and I see, you know, locks in Duke, Carolina – Miami, Virginia, I think Pitt will be, I mean, they, they bring a lot back and they bring a good recruiting class in. Um, they've got three, four-star recruits coming in to a team that, you know, has, you know, a decent core of people coming back. Blake Henson's back for that team. I think State's a tournament team. I really do. I think that they got a lot to do to get healthy right now, um, but there's a lot of talent there. I, I like what Syracuse has put together on paper, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Like I said, Clemson, I think this Wake team could be a tournament team. I don't know. I, I just think the ACC is going to be surprisingly good. Yeah, I think if I were to pick, like, looking at the ACC preseason rankings, if I had to pick a team that I think was undervalued, it would definitely be Pitt. Like, they're at nine, yeah. and I think they have more talent than that. And last year showed that they you know, could make it to the tournament – and then this year, I think they have more talent than last year's team, just looking at the Absolutely. overall roster depth of talent. So I, they're my team that I think is going to sneak up a little bit higher and get make it into the tournament. Wake, I think, has that, but I'm, I don't know. They're just, I'm not as convinced as 
other people. Like they're sixth on there. So if I have to pick a team that's yeah. overrated, I think it's them because I just don't see like it would be surprising to me if any of the top five don't make the tournament. It's like yeah. maybe Virginia's not fourth, maybe they're sixth, but like that would surprise me too, honestly. When I look at a team like Wake, I do see like sure they ended up bouncing back last night, but they were down twenty to Elon. There's vulnerability and, and state, you know, did not it was a comfortable win over the Citadel, but it was closer. We didn't cover. Like it was it was thirteen points and I think, you know, I don't know that it was that close, but yeah, so I, I think that there is there's definitely teams with plenty of concerns, I guess is the best way to put it, that um you're kind of looking at teams that could be potentially over or underrated. Um, I think Wake probably is a little overrated. I and I agree that Pitt's underrated. I think Florida State might be underrated. I just always have faith, even with them losing Matthew Cleveland, I think is such a huge loss for them going to Miami and part of the reason I'm big on Miami, but like I just have I don't know. I always have faith that Florida State's gonna be good. You would like without knowing anything about their roster, I'm like, yeah, they're <laughs> Leonard Hamilton will have this team ready to go and they're yeah. gonna have eight different players that are seven feet tall and yeah. I mean you got three starters back, nine players back in total. And, and so, yeah, you did lose both Matthew Cleveland and Caleb Mills from that team that already wasn't that great. But they had some wins in the transfer portal. Uh, Jameer Watkins from VCU, Josh Nickelberry from LaSalle, and their biggest transfer was definitely Primo Spears from Georgetown. And then they had a, a, another good recruiting class. Taylor Bowen is, was a big-time get in this 23 recruiting class. And, and like you said, I kind of find myself having faith in Leonard Hamilton, and they just – I don't know, man. They're just, they're always there, right? I mean, the last couple of years they haven't been, but other than that, the team that I know is properly rated. I was going to say is Louisville because I think they're <laughs> overrated. They're, they're ranked 14th when they should be 15th. That's fair. I guess that's, that is <laughs> totally fair, actually. Yeah. I mean, maybe they put some stuff together. <laughs> that, did you see the ending of the UMBC game? I didn't. It was wild. It was 92 92. Guy takes a really wild shot, doesn't go in for Louisville. It was like 11 seconds left in the game. UMBC guy has the rebound, and then Louisville's guy comes in from out of bounds, basically just like rips the ball out from <laughs> over his head, kind of is off balance, and just like flings it up on the backboard. And <laughs> his teammate goes up and gets it and dunks it down, and then they win the game by one. That's like, wild. It was a wild, absolutely insane ending against UMBC, which is a terrible, terrible team. Yeah. Like, they're not any good. No. And Louisville fans were properly melting down online, which sure is great. It's game one, and, and my thing with this is there's no doubt that Louisville and Notre Dame are the bottom of the barrel. Like, that is correct. And the, the difference is Louisville had the sixth-ranked recruiting class in the country. And with just transfers, it was ranked as the 29th best class of transfers. So there's a lot of potential there. So at least there's something you can look at the roster and say, oh, there's talent here versus looking at Notre Dame and seeing a team that has nothing, like really nothing. They're the only team in the ACC that did not return a single starter. Mm. Nobody on the team scored over four and a half points last season. <laughs> Like, that's bad. They, they just don't even have talent there. They have a great coach. I think Michael Shrewsbury is going to be awesome Yes, he's going to be good. But there's there's zero – there's no talent. Well, Just period. You know, like maybe they should commit to being in the ACC full-time and then 
people will come. Yeah, maybe. I like. I just. I'm looking at it, and I look at this roster. I look at kind of what they have, and he's trying to go with this whole like we have a chip on our shoulder. You know, Cormac Ryan left for Notre Dame. There's kind of this like, well, fine, we don't need you kind of thing that they've got going on with some of the group, the players that transferred out. I just don't. I don't see real talent on that team at all. So taking a step back from the teams and looking at the preseason all ACC selections that we have here. Not a lot of surprises as far as I was concerned. Kyle Filipowski, Armando Baycott, PJ Hall, Reese Beekman, Norchad, O'Meara. Anybody you want to make a case for that should be on that list? I mean, look, I would love to make the case for DJ Burns, but... He didn't make second team either. I think well, there's a, I think there's a spot for him to make second team. Potentially. I think the problem for that this year is going to be that the state team is a lot deeper and balanced i mean like kevin keats has spent the whole preseason talking about like look we're gonna have a different leading scorer potentially every night and you don't have baby t taking 45 shots in a game so like a little bit of a change there and i think it's gonna lead to yeah you may not have like individual accolades like that for some of those players i think if anybody's gonna do it it's gonna be dj burns if he stays healthy stays out of foul trouble in games he, look, he's an efficient scorer, and he'll put up rebound numbers as well. The Actually, the dark horse from the NC State team that I think could be in the conversation for some honors. Again, I don't know that it's going to be like first team, but Muhammad Diara, transfer from Missouri. Last night put up 10 and 14, three blocks, made a couple threes. He just looked dynamic, and he's he looks like somebody who could be a difference maker as someone who is – has been referred to as one of the most complete players um, on the team, if not the most complete player. He's 6'10", 215, so he's got that lanky athletic build, a little bit of a handle. But realistically, I don't think there's anybody from that team that's going to be in that conversation. Um, I like Nigel Pack. I, I know he's on the second team preseason. I think that's a little low. I think if we're, uh, I know Norchad O'Meara made first team, but if we're going with a Miami player on there, I think it'll be Pack over O'Meara because he's going to take on more of that scoring role with Isaiah Wong gone. So that would be kind of the big change I would make. Plus, I might – I just think Tyrese Proctor might put up bigger numbers than Reese, but I like Reese as a number one, as a first-team guy. I don't know. It seems fairly accurate to me other than the inevitable young guy that's going to be better than expected. I think Jeremy Roach should be on here. I'm surprised he's not on either first-team or second-team, and I know you can't just put – all Duke players everywhere. Yeah. But he does so many things well for that team. I feel like he's just going to be a stats machine, even though he doesn't put up the most points, which maybe maybe is the reason yeah. that he's not there. But I kind of like his game and what he does for Duke more than Proctor, even though Proctor is a better scorer. I just think he's a better all-around player right now. So I was a little surprised to see him not listed on either team. Yeah, I just think he's he's going to be the most important player for Duke. Is as good as Filipowski is, as good as Proctor is, as good as some of their freshmen are. He is a stabilizing force that has been in the program and knows what to do in big moments. And I just think that they're going to be a really good team. Yeah, and I hate it. They are. The, I almost don't want to say this because I don't want to like be accused of manifesting this or anything like that. I'm worried about Kyle Filipowski's long term health. He had double hip surgery in the off season. I just any lower body thing with he's like a Weimariner or whatever whatever that dog is. <laughs> Anything like uh, 
with lower body and legs with bigs that are that also rely on athleticism and mobility. I just it worries me a little bit for him. That being said, he obviously had a, he had a great game against Dartmouth. I mean, for whatever that's worth, which probably isn't much, but but this team is loaded. It's just like if Filipowski has health concerns this year, that that's pretty big for them. But they are you just look through it and you just keep going and you're like, oh oh, there's another four star on your bench. Cool, like <laughs> Caleb Foster. I'm so mad at them, man. <laughs> just like you know, Con Canoople. Just you know, he's gonna like be Cooper, the sixth Cooper man flag. off the bench. Yeah, like you got Cooper Flag, and they just got uh, another five star committed this yeah. week. Like, just give us one, just one. Come on, man. I would just for look. I'm a UVA fan and all this, but like I've always said, my biggest thing in this is I want to see just from an experimental standpoint. It's nothing about my fandom. I want to see what Tony Bennett does with just a group of five stars. Like, how would he coach? The roster that duke has it'd be interesting right would he do the same thing like uh we're gonna settle for we're gonna work the shot clock to 26 and get the most efficient shot or would he just be like all right let's go yeah defense optional let's play <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be very interesting to see unfortunately i don't know that uh we may never get there but uh, i don't think you're gonna get let there. the let the ai simulation get that going see yeah so all right so that's the acc any thoughts on national teams? I know we don't have like a bracket, so it's always kind of fruitless to do this, but just like gut reaction, you got to pick a final four. Who are you taking? Kansas. Pretty good. Definitely Kansas. Hunter Dickinson. Pretty good. They're on my list. You know, the team, I have to like keep fighting myself on this because it's, I, I don't want to, I don't want to get excited about this team. Because we've all seen how it goes in March, but I really like this Purdue team. Mm-hmm. They're real good. I really like this Purdue team. I mean, like, you've got a national player of the year who's back and has been getting significantly better every year of his career. He's only in his seventh year of playing organized basketball, Zach Eady is. That's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. He's huge. He looked dominant last night. I mean, they weren't playing anybody, but uh did love the image of him with the opening tip against a five eight guy. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty cool. I love that. Just oh, great so good. great troll job by the so, Sanford coach. So good. With a more experienced core around him. So I do like Purdue. Obviously Duke is loaded. But if I have to kind of go outside of the literal preseason, like top three teams, you know, FAU brings everybody back. I, I think that that's they're pretty imposing the team that i think is really going to make a return to sort of national prominence not that anybody stopped talking about them kentucky i like the roster that calipari's built more importantly he's kind of retooled his coaching staff in a way that i think is going to be really significant for them there's been some talk there about like him kind of getting away from what made him so successful and trying to overstructure things. players. <laughs> well, now he could just do that. Right. Well. But maybe overstructuring things a little bit, offensively speaking, rather than just kind of putting the ball in the hands of really good guards and letting them make decisions. And so, you know, I think that if the the talk has been that they're more willing to kind of have a more freewheeling thing, and you have guys like DJ Wagner, uh, Reeves is back. 
Rob Dillingham came off the bench last night to score 17. That dude is unreal. One time committed to NC State. I'm not bitter about that. Mm-hmm. You know, Reed Shepard, one of the better shooters in the country. Like this, I just, I like this Kentucky team a lot. And so they're kind of my, I don't know if you can call them a dark horse because they are ranked 16th in the country, but they're not like right there in the top five. But they're a team that I look at as really having some potential to be a Final Four team. They're really interesting to me. They're they're one of my two most interesting teams in all of basketball this year. So there's them. They have an amazing recruiting class, which in most years, had COVID not happened and you don't have all these super seniors and people staying longer, mm-hmm. they would be probably a top 10 team. Sure. But they're going to be freshmen going up against, in some cases, like 23, 24 years, older players who have been around for a long team, a long time. And I am interested to see how that ends up playing out in the tournament. Because yep. like at the beginning of the year, I think you're going to see teams like Kentucky struggle. Like in the, they, in the lead up to their scrimmage, he asked the opposing coach not to play zone because he had not worked on zone stuff with yeah. his team. So that's the kind of baseline that you have, despite all the talent. Like they're just not going to have it. But come tournament time, maybe they do. Like if they can win enough games to make the tournament, they're right. one of those teams you just don't want to play. But is there just like a physical disadvantage for them like playing against people who are four years older in some of these teams? So like that's that's one of the most interesting things to me. The other team that I'm really interested in is UCLA that has almost an entire roster of foreign players. Like they went yeah. to France and like I just don't know what to make of them. Like they lost a ton of Jaime Jaquez leaving the team last year. Uh, and Tyga Campbell, like it, it is really going to be fascinating to see with like bringing a whole bunch of other players in from overseas, putting them around Bona, who is back and is one of the best forwards in the country. I don't know. Like I, I feel like they could either be a top ten team at the end or not make the tournament at all, and either of those things yeah. wouldn't surprise me. And I, I just like that kind of experimentation, like from coaches trying to figure things out now in this NIL world. Uh, my final four teams, if I had to pick, I would pick Duke and Kansas just because they seem obvious. And then, again, like, you know, if I'm picking teams that I think are the best, Purdue is in there. But just when it comes down to the final four, it's always some weird that happens. So, like, I'm going to take Villanova. They've, like, they've built up a team that is pretty talented now. It's one of the most talented teams that Kyle Neptune has had in the short time that he's been there. And... They have a very experienced team as well. And then this one is a little bit dependent on health, but I don't know what Bronny James' situation is going to be at USC. If he manages to make it back in time for you know significant minutes, that USC team is loaded. Yeah. With uh, Boogie Ellis, Isaiah Collier, one of the best recruits in the country. I, it wouldn't surprise me to see them in the discussion at the end. Um, I had Arkansas kind of on the outside of that. They just seemingly always, Eric Musselman always seems to have the perfect set of transfers in. Illinois should be really interesting this year. Creighton could be very dangerous. But all those teams, like there's just a lot of a lot of okay or very good teams, but not elite teams. So given that, I kind of lean towards thinking teams with more experience are going to be the teams that end up doing well at the end. Yeah, I mean the first of all, you mentioned Creighton. The Big East is so intriguing at the top with Creighton, Marquette, and how have we not mentioned the defending champion that brings back a decent amount of talent? Like UConn's still there. 
Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I think that there is when you, some team coming out of there, I think has a really good shot to be a Final Four contender. It's shaping up. I mean, I just think it's going to be an interesting year. I think there are some really good teams. I think there's some teams with a lot of mystery around them. You know, I think that a team, you're going to hate this, but Maryland. They are kind of intriguing. They do have probably the most talent that they've had yeah. in a few years. And and could be like a real disruptor in March. But at the same time, for the last three years, Maryland has started one in three or worse in Big Ten play. They haven't been to the Sweet 16 since 2016. So, Keep it up. Yeah, I More. mean, sure. You know, the UConn thing, I get it. Recent history has suggested that returning champions or repeating champions – um, have pretty rough times in the tournament, you know, after after winning. We haven't had a national champion reach the second round, the second weekend uh, in the tournament since uh, Duke's 2015-16 team. So that could be the argument against UConn. But, yeah, I mean, like, Gonzaga still looks good, right, of course. I don't know, man. There's just – there's a, it feels like there's a lot this year of just teams that are – there's significant question marks, but on paper, it's like Texas. You add Max Asmus into the fold there, you know, obviously had a lot of turmoil last year, <laughs> you could say, um, but they are in a position to to be really good. And, and I think it's going to be interesting to see, like, when you go outside the Power Five, you have FAU. And I, I think that that's, you know, St. Mary's looks like the favorite in the West Coast Conference over Gonzaga right now. They were picked as the preseason favorite. So I think it's going to be a fun year. There are some guys out there that I'm really excited to see. And, you know, I think that ultimately there's going to be a lot of kind of up and down, but it's, I think it probably still comes down to one of, one of those favorite teams. I mean, it's hard for me to go away from Kansas. They bring back so much, and Hunter Dickinson just feels like a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Yep. How could it possibly go wrong? <laughs> and they just made Bill Self the highest-paid coach earlier, like during this broadcast. It was announced he's now has a new five-year deal. Well, highest-paid NIL is really getting out of hand. Mm. Kind of amazing for him to survive the scandal where he almost had to sit out of the tournament they had that negotiation with the ncaa and the ncaa was like no we are going to investigate this harder don't try to stop us and then they won the national championship and then got slapped on the wrist yeah well love that rock chalk baby rock chalk <laughs> if you have your final four picks that you want to send to us you can do that via email at preferred walk-ons at yahoo.com or on social media at pwopod I'm looking forward to this season. I had a fun time at the Tarleton State game last night. Had the, a new lights show thing where people didn't. Oh. I don't think people realized it beforehand. They were supposed to download the Virginia app and then like hold it up. They kind of like let people know like five minutes before the game, and so Sounds that was kind of lame. Hey man, you know, like different colors and stuff. No, it's just like uses the light, the camera part of your iPhone. I think just like flashes. It wasn't great. Okay, cool. The fan experience. I I, I, I wasn't there to see the it. The Wi-Fi so. was good, though. 